This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have Pastor Jay Carney, uh, an exceptional uh, minister of the gospel. Um, if you have not heard him preach, you are missing out. This guy is tremendous. Uh, but before we get into uh, what you've prepared, uh, brother, uh, would you just uh, introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell them a bit about about you. Um, your background, your ministry, and where you are right now. Thank you so much, Brother Brandon Crooker, for this opportunity. And uh, certainly I'm honored to be on with you. And again, my name is Jay Carney. I am happily married to Demetra Carney. We have been married for 31 years. And we have been blessed with three wonderful children, Jada, who is 23 Jace, who is 22, and Juliana, who is 16. Our two oldest uh, got married last year. Uh, Jace, my son, my middle child, got married in March of last year. And Jada, my oldest, got married in May of last year on our 30-year wedding anniversary. And so uh, life is full of seasons. Uh, We are certainly enjoying this season. We still have one at home. And... um, Certainly, I've always had a love for the ministry, even though I wasn't in full-time ministry. Uh, My background certainly is uh, uh, the secular world, where I was uh, grew up in a family-owned construction business. I went to college and graduated construction engineering, and also have an MBA from the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg, which is close to where I was raised, which is Columbia. And uh, my father and mother moved to Columbia, Mississippi when I was three. And so I grew up in and around the Woodlawn Church in Columbia, Mississippi, always having a love for the ministry, even though I wasn't in full-time ministry. And uh, was involved in every aspect of the church life there while I was in the secular world. And I worked for the same company for 33 years, T.L. Wallace Construction, while serving there at the local church, Woodlawn, serving in kids ministry, youth ministry, uh, certainly uh, discipleship training. Uh, Whatever need arose in the church there, I was honored to serve alongside uh, my father, uh, who passed away in February a year ago, Reverend James Carney, and then alongside my brother, Jaron Carney, and uh, we are still best of friends and talk daily and um in 2016 the end of 2016 uh, we were actually uh, after transitioning out of the construction business we were elected as pastor in tupelo mississippi and so we moved here january the 1st 2017 and have been pastoring here uh since january the 22nd of 2017 a little over five years and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to serve the great people of life at Tupelo. And we have seen some incredible things. Uh, in the last five years, God has uh, just blown our minds, and we're grateful for what he has done and certainly serving alongside the ministry team here. And uh, life is full of seasons and transitions. Uh, even uh, just recently, we uh, sold our church on June the 15th. And so we're officially 
debt free, but we're also homeless right now, uh, looking for the next location. But we're very blessed that the church who bought our location for a youth center has offered us their campus, which seats about a thousand to have service on Sunday afternoon. And so beginning July the 17th, the life at Tupelo will be having an afternoon service at 4 p.m. to accommodate our crowd at their uh, location here in Tupelo. So that's a little bit about us um, and what God has done. And that we have about 500 active attendees that call Life at Tupelo their home today. And we're just trying to love them and disciple them and uh, continue to lead people to Christ. So we are very blessed and it's honored to be on here tonight with you, Brother Kruger. That sounds incredible. Um, very excited uh, to hear about what God's doing there in Tupelo. Um, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, but isn't it, isn't it awesome how God always just orchestrates things and he always just works things out? Absolutely. Just incredible. Tupelo wasn't on my radar and, uh, the Lord gave me one word when I moved here and that was restoration. And it's just been awesome to see lives restored, families restored, marriages restored, you know, people that have once known Christ to come back to Christ, but also those who have never known Christ being restored into a relationship with him. So uh, God continues to uh, do an incredible work here. We're just honored to be a part of it. Amen. So uh, when I had initially reached out um, uh, to host you on uh, Apostolic Theory, um, you know, I, my pitch is basically I want the, the guests to, to share their heart with us, share their passion with us, something that's going to encourage, equip, and empower the church. Um, and so you, you talked about being the church and, and what that means. So, uh, I'm very excited to hear from you and, and, and have you share your heart with us. So if you're ready, let's go right, go right ahead. Absolutely. First of all, you know, before getting into that, thank you again. And, uh, just say this from the outset is we need each other. Um, and, um, Certainly, uh, I love pastors, I love ministers, and certainly pastors and ministers are my hero. And if you're in the church, you are a minister. Uh, And certainly, um, being a pastor, you know, I've been in the second world, being a pastor, most probably one of the hardest jobs on the planet, uh, except for uh, maybe being married to a pastor. (laughs) And so, uh, but I'll say this, I never have heard of really two people quitting together. Um, and just know this isolation, most probably is a seedbed of failure. So I encourage those that are listening, stay connected to a fellow believer. We need each other, uh, and we need him. And so just from the outset, I wanted to say that, um, but in reference to church growth and, and God, uh, preparing the church for the harvest, um, I'll say this, uh, I want to remind us that one of the greatest mission fields uh, that we have, I think, is the pews of our churches every Sunday morning. Uh, Sometimes we overlook that, but uh, I've been here a little over five years, and we haven't had one Sunday since I've been here that we haven't had a first-time guest. And uh, if they are showing up, 
they already have an interest. And so uh, I believe that God has been working on their hearts. And so we just need to love them where they're at and let the gospel transform their lives because the gospel works. We don't have to manipulate the gospel. We just have to preach the truth in love. And so, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of times maybe we as um, Pentecostal apostolics have forgotten, you know, the natural birth many times takes about nine months. And most of the time, the spiritual follows the natural. And so if we'll just love them where they're at and preach the gospel, I believe over time they will certainly uh, obey the gospel. And uh, that's what it's all about. So. Um, in reference to that and, and preparing the church for harvest and, and being the church, uh, I'd say the first point for us is, is to be present. Uh, pretty simple, uh, but there's no substitute for your physical presence in the lives of people. Um, we must continue to invest ourselves into people. Jesus loved people. Jesus died for people. Jesus had compassion for people. And so um, we need to lead by example. Um, uh, As we who have kids know, uh, our kids do what what they see, not what what we say. Um, And so we we can't rely on anyone else to develop uh, our leaders, the people around us. Um, You know, I encourage people to be well-versed in leadership principles. You know, certainly I think it's good if you have charisma. Uh, but so much of leadership development is, is, is really caught more than taught. So I'm talking about being present in the lives of people. Um, your leaders or the people you're trying to disciple can't catch you if you're not physically with them. Um, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes money. Uh, my dad used to tell me, uh, Brother Crooker, he said, Jay, wherever you are, be there. And with so many distractions in the 21st century, it's important to be present. Um, I'll say this, God has called you where you are. If it's uh, in the marketplace, uh, as a pastor or leader, wherever that is, make it the best you can make it. Uh, Wherever you're at is where God has, has called you, wherever he's planted you, just grow and flourish there and be present wherever you at representing Jesus Christ. Um, Point number two is certainly uh, spiritual leadership, I believe, is discipleship. Um, Developing uh, spiritual leaders is is really just a fancy term for discipling uh, your highest capacity people. Um, And so, therefore, I believe leadership development in the context of the church can never be disconnected from leading them to becoming more and more like Christ. Uh, We're all a WIP. We're all a work in progress. Uh, I'm in my office here at the church, but certainly there's a sign on my desk that everyone uh, usually uh, reference sometime and communicates with them. It's it's progress, not perfection. Um, You know, we should always strive for perfection, but more importantly, we should be making progress and that I should be coming more like Christ uh, than I was six months ago or six years ago. And so, therefore, you know, I I try to go heavy on teaching our leaders the spiritual principles of heaven. Uh, We must be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I've been teaching for the last uh, nine weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. 
Um, you know, people can fake the gifts of the Spirit, but you can't fake the fruit of the Spirit. You can tell if someone really loves you or not. And so we have to change the culture of our churches from our people, uh, Brother Kruger, just inviting people to church and uh, to bringing them to church. Um, we've tried to change the culture of this church to, uh, I don't want you just to invite them to church. I want you to, I want you to be the church. You know, we're so used our culture that we grew up in. We're so used to coming to church and that should be a part of our, you know, disciplines. Uh, but let's not forget that Jesus's last command to us was go make disciples. And so I think we should be leading by example, uh, I challenge myself. I challenge all those that's listening. I ask you this question. What is your disciples name? Um, that should be thought provoking to you because if you can't name your disciple, we may be missing the boat. Um, I ask our church, you know, would our community miss our church if it closed today? Uh, I hope we can make sure it would be missed by us adding value to this community. So how do we do that? We've got to go beyond the walls of this church. Um, we will only reach people when we, when we take the message of Christ beyond the walls and we meet them where they're at. Um, you know, I've realized that having been raised in this my whole life is um, church members really have been what I would call consumers. Uh, we don't need to come to be served, but God has called us to be servants. I hope to make it to heaven one day, and if I do, I'm going to hear him say, Well done, thou good, which is a fruit of the Spirit, and faithful, which is a fruit of the Spirit, servant. So God has called us to be servants. You know, in looking at the book of Acts, it took persecution to push the church to even uh, preach beyond Jerusalem. If you read the book of Acts and I ask us this question, you know, what will it take uh, to push us to witness about Christ beyond the walls of our church? I think maybe COVID initiated some of that, but then people become complacent. Um, the Bible talks about Philip preaching Christ without a pulpit and without a great, you know, uh, audience but he reached people with christ's love it led to real results and great joy in acts chapter 8 if you read acts chapter 8 verses 26 through 29 and so i encourage our people talking about being the church and preparing for the harvest is we must follow god's promptings god is always talking we're not always listening um you know looking at the bible from jerusalem to samaria philip's ministry it was blessed because he was focused on faithfully following Christ and sharing Christ wherever he went. Um, and so I tell our people, I ask you this, just say yes to God's promptings. Um, promptings without follow-through are really missed breakthroughs. God is always speaking. God is always prompting us. But if we're going to be the church, we got to follow through with what his spirit is speaking to us. So I tell our people, just go. Just say yes. You know, he may prompt you to walk across the street to meet your neighbor. Uh, in this society in which we live, most of us don't even know our neighbors. I was telling my wife today, hey, we just had a neighbor move in on our street. Let's go buy a cake and take it to them this week and just love on them. 
he may prompt you to walk across the, the church to pray for somebody. Just say yes. Just go and do what his spirit prompts you to do. And when you do that, Brother Crooker, I believe that God will give you some divine appointments. When you say yes, he will give you some divine appointments. Um, if we're available for God's divine appointments and assignments, he will reach the people through us. Uh, I believe when we approach uh, others with just genuine love and interest about them, we will find that they are certainly more ready than we realize to talk about faith. I think I just heard a statistic the other day that 82% of the people that said if they would be invited to church, they would come to church. God help us to step up to the plate. Uh, you know, God has called us to plant and water. If you look and describe my job description, it would be really two words. It is a God connector because I can't save them. Saving people is God's job, but reaching them is our job. We just need to be available for God to use us. He's called us to plant and water, and when we do, his word says he will give the increase. And so um, uh, I encourage people, you know, in, in, in closing in reference to point number two here, just say yes. Whatever God's spirit speaks to you, he's talking just say yes to it. Um, you know, I encourage, you know, leaders and pastors of churches, point number three is to, to work with, with who you have now. Um, you know, um, don't wait for those who have it all together to walk through the doors of your church before you begin developing your leaders. Um, God and his sovereignty has sent you the people that you have in front of you. And they are the raw material, I believe, through which he can build his church under your care. You know, if you're worried about the material being a little too raw, you might want to brush up on the bios of the 12 disciples. <laughs> you know, Peter, who preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost, he denied Christ. Um, you just go down the list. Andrew, he abandoned Christ during his trial and during his crucifixion. James was a lot like you and I. He was selfish. You know, John had anger issues. Uh, Philip seemingly was deficient in the things of God. He didn't really understand the scripture like maybe he should have. Uh, Bartholomew, the Bible tells us, was full of disbelief. Matthew, we all know, most probably was a greedy man. Uh, Thomas was pessimistic and doubtful. Uh, uh, Judas is scared. He seemed to only be there for whatever he might could gain out of. It. Uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, he was, the Bible says he fled and abandoned Christ at the crucifixion. Uh, Simon the Zealot, he, he lacked leadership skills, and he also left Christ. Judas, the son of James, he hid after the crucifixion. But, you know, the Bible said they did okay, and so will your crew, ever who God has sent you. And I encourage you to do this, though. I encourage you to invest in your highest potential leaders. I've learned this over the last several years pastoring life at Tupelo is I love everybody and Jesus loved everybody. But Jesus spent a little more time with the 12 and he spent even more time with the three. And so I encourage most leaders, ministers, pastors is be careful about spending too much time with leaking buckets. Make your time valuable and spending that 
with people that you believe are wanting to do something for Christ. And uh, so who is Jesus willing to use? You know, having said that, I believe Jesus will use whoever, wherever, whenever, and whatever he desires to do to reach people. Everybody can disciple somebody. Um, I believe that our own sanctification, Brother Crooker, happens as you disciple other people. Um, the Lord has really pricked my heart about this um, and that the enemy has wanted us to believe that we have to be perfect and have it all together and have all the answers to be used by God. But that is not biblical. God has called us. God has not called us. Let me say this. God has not called us to be disciples, but he's called us to make disciples. I've said it wrong for years, and, and I stand to be corrected. If anybody out there can show me otherwise, I said that we have to be disciples before we can make one, but I can't find in the Word of God where it ever says to be a disciple, but it does command us in his Word in Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And so, you know, we've thought for many years, you've got to be perfect and have it all together for God to use you. No, you do not. God will use you just like you are right where you're at. Uh, Jesus is not limited in his ability to reach our world. I believe many times it's our lack of faith that he wants to use me, you know, and that can serve as a limitation that God would use me and my humanity and my imperfections. Um, Jesus reached this ruler through Philip, and the ruler then reached the nation. You never know what God may do on a lonely desert road one day. And so I believe Philip's bold faith and his willingness to preach Christ wherever God led him should challenge us as witnesses today. So I ask us this question. Are there people in our community who God is ready to reach if we will just respond to his promptings? And so... Just let God use you just like you are right where you're at. Um, point number four is build good leaders, not good followers. Um, you know, good followers will look like you, they'll think like you, and they wait for you to give them orders. But good leaders, on the other hand, Brother Crooker, will have original ideas and uh, you know, unique personalities and, and diverse gift sets. I don't want everybody in the church to, to look like me and think like me. Uh, they will not be a clone of you, so stop trying to dress them in Saul's armor. That's what happened uh, in the Old Testament. Instead, help them to develop as a person of influence in their own right. In so doing, I believe they will serve to increase the capacity of your church greatly. I try to bring people around me that are gifted in areas that I am not. Uh, you know, good followers are nice to have if comfort and ease is what you seek. But if you're looking for a giant killer like David, well, you're going to need a leader for that. And giant killing, I believe, is what you and I are called to do. And so I say this, certainly the size and speed of, at which we grow is controlled by our systems, which is our processes and our structure and our people. But here at Life at Tupelo, you know, we were pretty small when we first came here. I think we had about 80 or so. And, um, you know, if you're a church of 50 or, or 80, but put people and processes in place to grow to 100. You know, if you're 100 today, put people and processes in place, act like you're 250. And if you're 250, put people and processes in place like you're 500. 
I believe there's no such thing as small churches. There's always small thinking. You and I just need to say yes to Jesus Christ. We got to think outside our our normal ministries and you know ask ourselves what is God talking to us? What is your passions? What is your gifts? What is your talents? If you love to cook, man, fix food for some elders or the sick and those in need. You know, we just had a deal. Uh, uh, I think last month. If you're if you're good with mechanics, and I'm not, I'm the least of these. But if you're good, offer your service to our widows. We offer we fixed every car in our church for our widows and our single moms and those who couldn't afford their parts and labors. We paid for it. You know, God may be calling you to start a food pantry or a clothes closet or or partner with a local food bank or, you know, He could be calling you. Uh, uh, we're helping at a homeless shelter here. Uh, maybe help the elderly with some yard work or clean their house or grocery shopping. You know, we've got someone's making baskets for people who are moving into our community. Um, certainly provide child care for couples to have a date night or for moms who, single moms who just need a day off. I still believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and the local church is his chosen vehicle to reach this world. But don't forget, any good vehicle has to leave its garage to serve its purpose. That's exactly what this, uh, what God has called us to do, to go beyond our walls with Christ's love, whatever that looks like for you. Just be the hands and feet for Christ. And so, you know, my prayer for you is that you'll have the wisdom, you know, to know what to do in your situation and the courage to do it. And um, God has called us to to be the church and uh, you know yes we should come to church yes we have church but more importantly we need to be the church be the hands and feet of Christ and um, when we walk out these doors of our local church we're entering our mission field and uh, man I tell people hey if someone in the workplace asks you to pray for them stop and say hey do you mind if I pray for you right now and they haven't been denied one time when someone wants prayer. Just walk through the doors that the Lord opens in front of us each and every day. That's what being the church looks like. And, um, you know, I've got one gentleman here, uh, my disciple, Charles Scruggs. We just kept running to each other in town, and it was God-ordained, and it was a year before he ever darkened the doors of this church. But I kept loving him, taking him to breakfast, doing Bible studies with him. And one morning, not too long ago, he called me and said, Pastor, can you meet me at the church? I said, absolutely. He said, man, I'd love for you to baptize me today. Man, I baptized him in Jesus' name. And when he came out of the water, he was speaking in that heavenly language. God filled him with the baptism wow. of the Holy Ghost. So I've been discipling him for about a year. But I told him the other day, I said, Charles, I love you. But it's now your turn to go and make this make a disciple because I need to make another one. And so that's what it's all about. And so I believe that God is going to bless each one of you and God's going to use you. Man, I believe in you. God has called us for such a time as this. You know, in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so be the church. God's called you. Step up to the plate. Just do what his spirit is prompting you to do. 
And uh, I believe that you will receive great joy when that happens. Amen. Amen. That was that was so good, brother. Um, a lot of lot of a lot of incredible points that you made. Um, you know about how to utilize you know those in your local church. Um, you know, and 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 one thing I've learned in my own life is having somebody that believed in me gave, started giving me opportunities watching me grow into what God has called me to be, you know, and I think too often, and and, and I, maybe we're getting over this as a movement, but, uh, you know, it, it's always been, I was a backslider. And so I would go to a church and it was like, everybody was staring at me, condemning me, looking down on me, talking about me, you know, and, and that's not of God. No, because no. if that was me when I was trying to get back into the church, well, now I am back in the church. Right. But it took somebody to believe in me. Amen. Wow. Somebody, my pastor, actually, he said, and he did, I, I had never told him this, but he said, uh, he just called me on the phone one day and he said, hey, listen, Brother Brandon, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I believe in you. I said, I said, you have no idea how much that meant to me. Absolutely. And you know, he could have said that to a hundred other people, but to me, it felt like I was the one person he ever said it to. And, and it just, it just meant the world to me. And, uh, you know, I, now I'm, I'm ministering the church. You know, I have this podcast, I've got a magazine that I'm doing. And he's always asking me, he said, how's your, how's your writing do, going? How's your magazine doing? How's your podcast doing? Like he, he. He sort of pushed me yes. <laughs> into the yeah. podcast and he, you know, and, and just to see that tremendous blessing and, and anointing that comes with being under a man of God, but not just that, a man of God who believes in you. It must have been so hard for David because he was anointed. God That's anointed right. him, but he was under Saul who wanted to kill him. Yes, God, absolutely. God help us. You know, if, if we ever get to a place where, you know, we're so, so worried about our own agendas and, and our own perceptions that we want to kill the next generation. Lord help us. Yes, we have. I'm glad you said that. We, we have a no condemnation zone here at Life at <laughs> And our motto here, Brother Crooker, is everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect, but anything is possible. And so we try to bring those walls down that, hey, you are welcome here. It's a no condemnation zone. And uh, certainly we believe in restoration. And uh, if someone comes in, I don't care what their past is. I don't care if they backslid 99 times. I'm going to love them where they're at. I'm going to tell them I love them and I believe in them. And people just need somebody to believe in them. And... Um, and see something good in them. Jesus does that, you know, uh, and may we certainly look through his eyes to see what they can be. And uh, it's been so exciting to see people uh, believe again and, uh, you know, have their faith restored. And, you know, that's that's what it's all about. And um, certainly we empower our young people as well. Um, 
you know, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And, uh, you know, David was a young boy who God used greatly. And, uh, man, we don't, we, we need them being used right now in the kingdom of God. We had one young man who uh, brought someone to youth camp with him, got the Holy Ghost a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's a disciple maker. And uh, that's what God has called us to do is to make disciples. Go ye therefore and make disciples. And uh, loving people where they're at, believing in them. And, uh, man, when somebody believes in you, you can you can do a lot. So that's awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Praise God. And God, you know, and that's just another one of those God things. God God can orchestrate it, you know. Amen. And I just want to say this for my listeners, you know, if don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because God will put somebody in your life that is going to believe in you. If you don't yes. feel it right now, if you'll just hang on a little bit longer, there will be someone that can that can see the potential that God has placed inside you because and here's the thing we're a, we're a body amen see brother carney's in tupelo but he is still part of the body of Christ i'm in maine and even though we're so far apart we are still the body of Christ together we believe you know in man and man, I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight that somebody just needs to hear us say, we believe in you. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are still in front of you. And you got to believe tonight that the latter end is going to be greater than the former end. No matter what hurt you've been through, no matter what pain you've experienced, God is going to use everything that you have experienced, the betrayal, the hurt, the heartache, the pain. My favorite scripture in the Bible verse that I live my life upon is Romans 8 and 28. For we know that all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, things that others have done to us, bad choices we've made, that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are the call according to his purpose. And so tonight, if you're listening to this, or when you do listen to this, we want you to know that we believe in you and your best days are still in front of you. Lift up your eyes. Look unto the hills from which cometh and will continue to come your help. Receive that word of prophecy tonight. Receive that word from the Lord. And I speak that over your life. It's going to be all right. Whatever you're facing tonight, whatever you're going through, it's going to be all right. But you got to pick your head up. you got to lift up your eyes. And you got to look unto the hills which cometh. And that means continues to come your help. It's going to be all right. Amen. Amen. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com.
This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.